Um, we're fortunate enough to get to hear from uh, several of these, five of these men and women tonight. And uh, I'm going to introduce the first ones here for you. Um, Jonathan, uh, as, he, as these folks mentioned, all of them go to the Bible College and uh, have gotten to be good friends of mine as i become more acquainted with them. But first, Jonathan's going to come up, and uh, then Whitney will come up, who is on the piano, and then Derek. And uh, after that, we're going to have a couple more songs that we'll sing, uh, that Servant Song will sing, and then Larissa will come up, and then also we'll have Jenny come up. Um, I know in an audience this size, uh, probably there's many of you that grew up in Christian home, were raised in a Christian home, and um, have been around the Bible as long as you have. And then maybe there's some of you like me who were uh, raised in and around it some, but didn't get saved, weren't born again till a later time in your life, maybe in college like it was for me. And uh, also there's some of you out there who have no idea what I'm talking about, who don't know what it's like to live a new life in Christ and uh, haven't experienced what it is to be reborn. Maybe you've heard the gospel, maybe you've been around church, maybe you've even read the Bible. Uh, but we've been praying, and I've been praying that these testimonies will be an encouragement to you wherever you are. Whether you've known Jesus, uh, maybe as far back as you can remember, even from a young age, and were saved at a young age under your parents' influence or the churches, or whether you came to him at a later date, or whether you still haven't come to him, uh, we've been praying for you and trust that these will be a great encouragement for you guys. So, Well, hello, everyone. Um, Tanner said to keep this around five minutes, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, before I start, I just want to say that this is, you know, this is not my story, but it's really God's story that's told through me. Um, I know that because on my own will and my own decision-making, uh, I know I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the Lord's guidance. And I just feel, I feel so privileged to be able to come here and uh, tell you guys just what the Lord has done in my life and uh, just some of the things he's taught me. All right, so I know a lot of you guys don't know me, so I'm just going to give a quick background of my walk with Christ. I was a pastor's kid for 12 years in Boise, Idaho, and... Uh, if you know pastor's kids, they're pretty awesome. Um, and I was definitely one of those, like, holy pastor's kids. Um, so I was around church all the time. I was involved in everything, and everyone loved me, and I didn't cause any problems at all. Um, but a relationship with Christ just really wasn't there at all. Um, I, fell, I fell in love with church and and when I say church, I don't even mean like the people of the church, just church, like church culture. Um, I just fell in love with it. And uh, don't get me wrong, I, I still love church. But back then, church really was the center of my life um, and not Christ. To make a long, very long story short, my, my home church uh, that I grew up in uh, split, about an 80 to 20 split. Uh, so 80% stayed at the church um, I'm sorry, 20% stayed at the church, and then 80% left um, to find a new church. Um, so my church died pretty quickly, actually, and a lot of my identity kind of died with it. So I went, went church shopping for a couple years, kind of church hopping around, uh, but I didn't really care. My parents wanted me to go, so I just went, and I would pick the earliest service I could go to so I could get back home and watch NFL pregame and watch my football. Um, 
But back then, I, I just really didn't care about Jesus. Um, he just wasn't in my life at all. Uh, so, a few years later, I was at a Christian camp in Oregon, and I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord there. And the main reason for that was because Jesus finally became real to me up there. And not just like a, oh, cool, like Jesus is real now, but like a punch in the face, like Jesus is real, like he's really there. Um, have you guys been to Hastings? I'm sure you have. I really love Hastings. And uh, there's a section in the back, it's kind of weird, but um, there's Jesus, the action figure, in the back, and uh, it's pretty cool. It has like a white robe on and a blue sash and long hair, green beard, a really big smiley face. Kind of looks like Evan McCotter a little bit. Um, but uh, it's pretty awesome. But that, I saw that, and I was thinking about it, and, and that's exactly the way I saw Jesus. Um, you know, I think he's, he's pretty cool. Um, he sits on your shelf, and you take him down every once in a while, and you think about kind of the legit things he did, like, eh, he did some miracles, and he was nice to some people. But uh, eventually, you just put him back on the shelf to catch dust, and uh, you just go about your own life and do what you want. And that's how I treated Jesus for many a year, a long time. And uh, just as an idea that people had to make them feel good about themselves. So when I was at that camp, um, Jesus really just became real to me. And I realized that Jesus was actually born, that he walked this earth, that that he died for my sins and he rose again. Just, you know, simple gospel truths, but still really, really powerful. And then I finally realized that this man, Jesus, wanted to have a relationship with me. And honestly, guys, that, that just blew my mind because I knew I didn't deserve it. I knew I didn't deserve it. Um, but the Lord has been so good to me. And to realize that me, someone who used to be his enemy, is now allowed into his family, um, it just boggles my mind. It, it, it really is amazing. Uh, but my desire for Jesus, uh, to be real, didn't stop there. Um, I wanted and I, I still want uh, Jesus to become more real to me each and every day. And I was thinking about some of the stuff that, you know, how he does that. And uh, there were just three that popped to me. Um, the Word of God. The Word of God is such a good, clear picture of who Jesus is. And... Um, just shows his character and what a great example that we have in him. Uh, second thing is creation. Uh, it's it's hard for me to realize or imagine just being here in the big sky country with mountains and sunsets and still saying there is no God and just to know that that's only just a small glimpse of his majesty is pretty amazing. Um, and lastly, uh, I, get to, I see Jesus in my brothers and sisters in Christ and for those of you who do know me, um, you know, I just want to say that I learned so many lessons uh, through your guys' words and actions. Um, and it's such a blessing to me uh, to see Christ through you guys. This morning, um, I was kind of nervous and just thinking about what I was going to say tonight. And, you know, I can't do good thinking without some good Pandora in my ears. Um, so Pandora was on and I was listening to it. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then a Jeremy Camp song came on, and the chorus says, Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. 
And that is my prayer, and I, I hope that's your prayer too, um, to know that Jesus is the best thing that we can strive after for in this life. Mark 8.36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but forfeit his soul? Um, just know, you guys, that only Jesus can satisfy. Uh, you know, the world promises us satisfaction in so many different ways, and honestly, like, it will satisfy, but really just for a time. Um, a really short time. So I hope that Jesus is real to you tonight, because trusting in something that's fake really won't do anyone any good at all. Um, I hope Jesus isn't an action figure sitting on your shelf, catching dust that you take down every once in a while to look at and think about. But someone who is real, someone who is sitting at the right hand of God right now, and someone who wants to have a relationship with you. And uh, if, you know, if you know that Jesus is already real to you right now, I pray that you desire to get to know him more every single day um, because it, it's always worth it, and it's so much fun. It's a blast. So thanks, guys. Okay, well, my name is Whitney, like I said before, and I'm not going to lie, I'm really nervous right now, um, but I'm just really blessed by this opportunity that um, I have to be able to just share what God has been doing in my life, and honestly, like Jonathan said, like it's not about me at all, it's all about him, um, but as I'm sure many of you were, I was also raised in a Christian family, um, not a super solid one, but we went to church every Sunday, and I grew up knowing everything. I knew all the Sunday school answers. I prided myself in all the facts and knowledge, and I could do the Bible drills the fastest. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed going to church. Um, I really enjoyed doing the right thing, um, and I actually prided myself a lot in being a good kid. And um, I wanted people to praise me for that. I wanted people to notice that about me. Um, and so I kept doing good things. I kept um, trying my hardest to please people. And um, I think that has always been my downfall, um, is that I've been an extreme people pleaser. Um, and I have to say, like, as I was thinking about giving my testimony, it's like, well, I mean, so many people, they have all these things that, like, they've gotten into, like, drugs or sex or rebellion or something like that. And I just, I don't have that in my past um, but what I do have was an extreme self-righteousness. And um, that dragged me down for so many years because I became very blind to the sin that I had in my life. Um, and pretty soon I didn't have any guilt or conviction at all about the sin that I was involved in. I just thought I was a good person. And I, was, I knew all the answers. I could do the right thing. Um, but when I got to be about 15 years old, I um, began to realize that... I wasn't as good as I thought I was, and I also had this deep um, feeling in my spirit that I was going to hell, and I didn't like that at all, and so every night before I went to bed, I would pray and ask God to not let me go to hell. Um, that was the one thing that I feared worse than anything. Um, I did that for about a year, um, and also around that time, like, I um, was really enslaved by bitterness. And because of that, I didn't have any emotions. I wasn't able to cry. I wasn't able to feel a lot of joy. Um, and I didn't understand why. 
But one day, I was on my bed, I was just praying and asking the Lord to, like, please not let me go to hell. And I was reading in Hebrews chapter 9, where it talks about Jesus Christ being our high priest and how he entered in and made the sacrifice for us once for all. And that just really hit me because I was so like, okay, I need to do it every day, every day. If I do it every day, finally it's going to stick. And the Bible says no, like it's once for all. Jesus did it. It's accomplished. And so I realized like at that point I was not saved because I just had this, this dread that I wasn't and I knew I wasn't and I knew that I needed to repent of my sin. And so I did, and, like, at that moment, like, I was able to cry for the first time in many years. And, like, Jesus, like Jonathan was saying, like, he really became real to me, and I knew that my sins were forgiven. And then after that point, I just, I still struggle with a lot of that same sin, but I just wanted to live my life for the Lord. I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. And through a long series of events, God led me to MBC which I'm so thankful for because it has been one of the best experiences of my life as far as like growth in the Lord. And um, just the discipleship that they have at Montana Bible College is such a huge blessing. Just people pouring into your life and seeing the example of other believers there. I honestly don't think there's anything greater than seeing Christ in other people and how he changes people and also just the power of God's word and the power it has to change lives and the power it had to change my life. And last year, I had the opportunity to become um, a resident assistant for the girls' dorm. And that has been the greatest challenge and the greatest blessing of my entire life. I'm so thankful for the opportunity. I'm so thankful for all those girls. They challenge me so much. Um, not in bad ways. <laughs> that sounded bad. They, they challenge me to trust God <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> But this last semester has been very difficult for me, um, just in trusting the Lord and seeing his goodness and faithfulness in my life. And um, that whole fear of man pleasing man has come back to haunt me, um, just wanting to be recognized as a good RA, wanting to be recognized as someone that people can look up to, and um, a lot of trusting in myself that I've had to wrestle through. And um, so... Two nights ago, I was not able to sleep. I was just struggling through a lot of things. And um, I was reading in, so I got up and I just was like, okay, I need to like read the Bible and pray. So I was reading in 2 Corinthians, which is my favorite book of the Bible, chapter 6. Um, and I just started reading there like with no intention of like finding anything really. Um, but verses 4 through 10 really stuck out to me. So I just wanted to share those with you. Um, it says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights. And that one just like stuck out to me because I was like, whoa, I'm having a sleepless night right now. <laughs> and um, so then I was like, okay, well, maybe like, what is this really talking about? Servants of God, like as an RA, like, I am in ministry, I am a servant of God, but so are all of you. If you are a believer in Christ, like, you are God's servant. And God promises that we will have to go through some of these things, sleepless nights or any of those other physical things, hunger. And then, all, and then the next verse talks about, um, like, character qualities that we need to possess as a servant of God. Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love in truthful speech, and the power of God. 
with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And that really stood out to me too, is just like God, he gives us the power to fight sin. And I was really, really struggling with that. Um, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters, and yet we are true, as unknown and yet well-known. And that really stuck out to me because I was really struggling with that praise of man and just like, God promises, like, yeah, you may not, ministry isn't always rewarding, it's not always fun, but it's not about that, it's not about getting praise for myself, it's about bringing glory to God, and um, it says, as dying, and behold, we live, like, we have to die to ourselves. we have to die to that sin, and yet God promises that we will live, um, And so, I don't know, like that just, it really, really struck out to me because as I was thinking about giving my testimony, I just realized like all these things that like I feel like I deserve, I feel like I deserve praise, I feel like I deserve to be recognized as a good person, and yet I deserve absolutely nothing. I deserve to go to hell, and yet by God's grace, I am standing here right now talking to you. (laughs) By God's grace, you guys are all sitting out there, and um, last week I got to spend spring break with a bunch of my friends, and one of them, we were just playing a random game, and um, he said, without God's grace, I wouldn't be sitting here right now playing this game. I would be in hell. And that just, like, really stuck out to me because I, was, I never had that perspective before. I never thought about that before. And, um, but it's so true. Like, without God's grace, I would not be an RA. I would not be anyone. I would not be anybody worthy of notice, and I'm still not. It's all about Christ. And then um, this last verse, I don't know, like, it just meant so much to me. It says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. And that everything, like, that's Christ. Without him, we would be nothing. We are nothing. But with Christ, we have everything. And um, I, like, that is the best testimony anybody can give. Like, I have Christ in my life. And he's changing me and he's growing me. And I, I pray that for all of you guys, too. If you know him, let him change you. Let him guide you. Let him lead you and make it all about him because it is. And if you don't know him, then, then you're, you have nothing. That's what, I mean, that's what this is talking about. You have nothing. You need God's grace. So, yeah, that's basically it. But I'm so thankful that we are able to um, share with you guys. And I think now we have Derek. I'm going to borrow one of the church's Bibles here. Um, one thing I hope you guys keep in mind as you listen to my testimony uh, is this: these verses that have come to impact my life. The greatest, and God is, God's word is filled with truth and grace and mercy and, and nugget, nuggets of gold everywhere. In uh, Philippians 3, 7 and 8, but what things were gained to me, I have counted for loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. My life, as I can tell you at the best, <laughs> the best I can remember, uh, has been a struggle with identity. Who I am as a Christian, 
who I am as a son, as a brother, uh, as a student, as a friend. It's been a struggle. Um, And that struggle started from the moment of my salvation when I was five years old. I was raised in a Christian home, had godly parents. My parents consumed the word uh, when they became believers when I was three. And and I I love them for that. They are my stronghold. Um, But my identity from from an early age has always been something I've struggled with. Uh, My brothers would say that I'm probably the angel child of the family. I only have brothers, so that's kind of funny, being the youngest. Um, And we've always gone to church, and we've gone to several. My family has transitioned churches and jumped around churches as my dad has has led our family through that. And uh, we live in Great Falls, Montana, uh, from like I was one age one to uh, eight. eight. And uh, my dad decided to stop being a counselor and go into the ministry as a pastor. And so I gained an identity from uh, my fourth, fourth grade year until my junior year of high school. I was, a, I was a PK. I was a pastor's kid. And so for that reason, I had to identify myself with other pastor's kids, and I had to identify myself as a good person, as a good kid, as uh, the nice guy, and, and all, these, all these little labels, I had to stick to myself and cover up what I was struggling with and, and cover up the sins that I was struggling, struggling with. And all these identities, just they weighed heavy on me all throughout junior high and high school. And I got to college, and I decided to come out here to Bible college for a year. And that was an excellent year. I learned so much about the grace of God and the love of Christ. And, and I still kept all the, holding on to these identities as, as this good guy, as, as a solid Christian, you know, one who reads the word every day, one who's got, got the corner on, on ask him a question, he'll answer Jesus, you know. And, and this, all this identity factor and then I went to North Dakota State University in Fargo, North Dakota for, for a year. I got accepted to the architecture program. And I was going to pursue that dream and use it for the grace of God and build, build churches all over the world and, and all that jazz. Because I wanted to be identified as this, this good Christian guy who serves the world and, and serves Christ. And I got to school, and after being here at the Bible College... Uh, I was a freshman student with uh, 6,000 other students, and uh, there were 200 and I think like, no, 300 kids in my program, and I had to compete with all of them for a position to the next year, just kind of like MSU out here, the architecture program in NDSU is murder, and uh, I failed. I decided instead of identifying myself as a, a solid student, I would start hanging out with a fraternity, and I, I started. I met met a couple guys in a fraternity and started hanging out with them, and I got got into that lifestyle. And then I identified myself as a partier, and and a, and a, a frat boy, and I identified that with with that for two semesters. It wasn't until the second semester um, of that year that halfway through in February. February 12th, I remember the date, 
um, that God brought this nugget of gold, that this scripture into my life and, and rocked my world and rocked my identity. And um, I can honestly say now, my only identity is Christ. I don't have anything without him. I can hardly stand before you uh, tonight without him. Um, we'll go back to the week before February 12th, and we had a we had a break in like a three day weekend. So I went home for home to Bismarck where my parents live, and I had been living this lifestyle and in this in this identity for so long, and had been covering it up for my parents and then hiding it, and and whenever I'd go home, I'd fight. It was a constant fight, a battle with my parents, a battle with the authorities in my life, a battle with going to church on Sunday. I didn't want to be there because I knew I'd hear truth, and I wouldn't like it. And uh, so one Sunday afternoon, my dad and I were, were at each other's throats like I had begun living in, aspiring to. And, and he said, why don't you go to Bible study? And again, with the identity factor, I still identified myself as a Christian, and I still met with godly men and women like you guys and still like, had some sort of truth in my life because I wanted to look good for the people I knew. And uh, the guys that I met with on Sunday nights were reading through Philippians 3, and, and, and uh, I got asked to read the section, just the two verses, 7 and 8, and, and it stuck, and it, it just sat in my heart for, for three days. And uh, I had to go back to class, back to school, and back into the, even back into the lifestyle I was leading. And uh, Thursday morning on February 12th, 2009, I woke up dead. I mean, not obviously not dead as in the physical sense of dead, but dead to, to the identity that I had been living in. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to, as a matter of fact, I hardly wanted to live a life. I, I didn't want to get out of bed. And, and immediately when I woke up, those verses were the first thing I thought. Everything but the things that were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. And, and I knew and I remembered that if I identified with Christ as my Savior and was truly repentant of the sin that I had been living in, then I would count the life that I was leading as rubbish and walk away away from it and only pursue Christ and only pursue that relationship that I have with him, only pursue my only identity. And so uh, I did. It wasn't an easy transition, and it took me quite a long time. And even the last three or four years, or three years out here at the Bible College, I've had to reevaluate and evaluate how I've struggled with this identity. And I have six weeks left in this semester out here, six weeks and then a tour with Servant Song. And then I get to go and bring my identity with Christ to another school and back over, to, over in Bismarck and back home to all my friends out there. And unless I cling to my identity in Christ, I know I will be back where I was three years ago in NDSU.
I'll be back in that lifestyle I was leading. So I would ask that you would all consider your identity with Christ and consider that as the most important thing that you have. Hi. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Larissa. Um, I was born and raised right here in Bozeman, Montana, the beautiful Bridger Mountains and the Spanish Peaks. Um, This is my home church. Hey, hey now. Um, This is my home church. I grew up in this church with wonderful godly parents, and um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was young. I was in the second grade and um, grown up hearing the truth and decided now is the time. And um, God has been growing and changing me ever since, and that is so great. Um, So what time of day is it right now? It is evening. Very good. Um, Psalm 92 verse 2 says, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. It's nighttime, and I want to declare God's faithfulness in my life. Um, So if I had to pick one thing that I was most thankful for right now, it would be God's faithfulness. I would not be where I stand today without it. Um, He was faithful through me, all through growing up, all through school, Um, just leading me to trust him ever more with my life and where he was leading me and where he was taking me. Uh, He faithfully led me to Montana Bible College, which, believe me, was the last place on earth I ever wanted to go. Number one, it was in Montana. Number two, everybody there had known me since I was really, really little, (laughs) which was just frightening. (laughs) But God was good, and he knew exactly where I needed to be then. Um, he faithfully worked through me that first year, just growing me so much in him through roommates, through teachers, just as I learned more about the Bible, as I learned more about the character of God and about life and, and living and working with people and, um, just about the body of Christ and what an amazing thing that is and how special and unique and wonderful, um, He faithfully changed my heart to love NBC and to want to stay there and continue. Um, My second semester, he faithfully led me to finish a couple of applications to go to school in Israel for a year, um, which I hate applications, so that is a big thing in my life. Um, I spent my second year of college in Israel. Um, My first semester, God stripped away so much of everything. just all of my security, everything I depended on, my family, my home, my church, my pastors, my friends, everything was gone, my dream. like He just took it all away, but he left himself, and he was so faithful to me. Um, if ever I needed somebody to go to, he was always right there. Um, despite the nine-hour time difference between Montana and Israel, it's like God was always right there. I didn't have to wait until he woke up um, to talk to him. Um, Just constantly proving himself faithful every day, an ever-constant friend. Um, The next part of my life, God proved himself faithful even when I wasn't. Um, I came back from Israel, 
And all I wanted to do was go back to Israel. <laughs> and so much so that I never took time to readjust to American culture. I got stuck in my Middle Eastern mindset. I got stuck wanting to be there and would not become content with where God had placed me. <laughs> and I was frustrated with God for keeping me in Montana. And like Jonah, which I should have learned from Jonah, but I ran. I ran from God, which, don't do it. He, he, you can't do it. It just, just doesn't work. Um, I didn't do it physically. I was smart enough that I knew that wouldn't work. But um, spiritually, mentally, everything, everything in me wanted just to turn around, to turn back, and just walk the other way. Um, but he faithfully found me and um, brought a close friend to my life and just been dealing with a lot of sin and just rebellion and just not wanting to be where I was. And God brought a very faithful friend into my life who confronted me and was like, Larissa, this is sin. Knock it off. I was like, oh. Um, and God, through that, just faithfully broke my heart and led me to repentance. Um, and after that, he helped me. He was faithful to me in building back my relationships that I completely destroyed and getting my life back on track. And he faithfully led me to a desire to follow him, to love Christ more, to want to obey him. Um, which basically leads us to this year. Um, and this semester, I've seen God faithfully keep reminding me of an area in my life that I needed to change. Um, and no matter how hard I tried to ignore God or rationalize my sin or my life, he just kept bringing it back up. It was always in the back of my mind, just right there, just knock it off, stop it, change. And I would kind of half-heartedly try. I was like, eh, yeah, I should change, but I don't really want to. I like my sin. It's comfortable, it's warm, it's fuzzy, but it kills you in the end. And God brought me to a place where I was able to realize that, just faithfully leading my heart and my my teachers and my friends and reading my Bible and just being faithful in that. And he was continued to be faithful to me and just slap me over the head, which I need. Um, and so just slowly leading my heart back to a place where I was dealing to, with, willing to deal with sin. Um, it's so good to see his faithfulness when I am so unfaithful. And he is faithful in my life every single day. And I know I can trust him with my future. I'm graduating, hopefully, this spring. And I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with my life after August 18th. No plans. But I know that my future is secure because I have Christ. And that is all I need. Um, it doesn't matter that I don't have everything figured out for the rest of my life or even the rest of the year. Um, God is faithful. And I can trust he'll take me where I need to go. And I know God is in the business of changing lives. He's changed mine. He's still changing mine. And I'm so grateful. I just want to end with a couple of verses out of Lamentations 3.22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I think Ryan was going to cut me off. I don't know. It looks like he jumped up there.
Apparently you guys don't need to hear what I have to say. <laughs> I don't have much to say, so maybe that's all right. Um, I always have a very difficult time giving my testimony because there's so much of it. And with five minutes, if you guys haven't noticed, five minutes has become 10 and 15 for most of us, I think. So I will try to keep mine short, but it'll probably be 15, 20, 25. (laughs) Um, Just God has done so many things in my life and brought me so very far. And I first began to trust him when I was seven. And my whole life since then has been a journey of learning to trust more and what trust looks like and who it is that I'm trusting with my life and and all kinds of things with that. Um, so one verse I would just like to share that has been, uh, I don't know, kind of encapsulates that a little bit is John five twenty four, And it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. And if there's one thing that could sum up what I've learned in the over many odd years I've been alive, um, is that, that when we come to Christ, when we know what it means to trust him with our life, and when we turn our life over to him, we really do go from death, even though we're alive here, it's a life of death, to a life of life, and just the fullness of that. And as a small part of that recently that... I would like to share with you is um, in John 16 and it's talking about prayer in this section and the verse I'm going to read two verses for you if I can find them while my Bible is shaking verse 24 says until now you have asked nothing in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be full Um, Sorry, that's the wrong verse, but that's a good one, too. (laughs) Verse 26 says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. And recently, if I can say this in five minutes, one thing that has just really been hitting me and changing my life is that not only does Jesus love me and came and died for me and gave me his righteousness and his life and the power to live as a Christian and everything that he's done, not only that, but the Father himself loves me. The God that I used to stand before condemned and an enemy and hated at the same time He loved me, and he sent his son to die for me. And you guys probably all know John 3.16, whether you know God or not. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And it's God who loves us. And recently, I don't know, it's easy even as believers to think that that same, there's like part of God loves us, and that's Jesus. And then like part of God hates us and is like, how dare you do these things? And is always breathing down our necks. And that's not the truth. Like, When we come to Christ, we come to God. We are part of his family, and the Father himself loves us. And everything that he does, whether it looks difficult, whether it's something that's so hard, like some of our songs have mentioned already, and some of ours will coming still, um, even all of that, like the song, Oh, the Love of My Redeemer, even trials and death and the earth's foundation shaking and all these hard and difficult things that happen, Even then, behind that, our Redeemer loves us, and God the Father himself loves us, and he will walk with us, and he's not frowning on us. He is there changing us and 
directing us closer to him and making us like him so that when we go to live with him, it will be heaven. We will be where life is. And that is what I have to share about what he's doing in my life recently. And there's so much more. And I wish I had 25, 30 minutes, but I don't. So too bad. You'll have to ask me later. (laughs) 